0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is new every Thursday via podcast1.com And of course, Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening, subscribing, checking out the podcast each and every week. It is greatly appreciated. As I always tell you guys, this podcast is only a tiny, tiny little sample of what I do on a daily basis on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. So, If you are in the U.S. or Canada where you can get Sirius XM, please join me each and every day for Trunk Nation, which is heard live on Volume Channel 106 from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and it replays every night, 10 to midnight Eastern, and full shows and video on demand on the Sirius XM app for the cost of a couple cups of coffee, you can get A month of all sorts of entertainment, including my show, Trunk Nation, on Volume Channel 106. And here on this podcast, you get a tiny, tiny little taste, just like one interview of the many things that I do on that show each and every day. Of course, if you're outside of the U.S. and Canada listening, you get a little sample of what I do here in the U.S. on radio. And I appreciate you listening, no matter what the case may be. Hope everybody had a great week. I have... uh, well, since I recorded a podcast open, it's been a little while because I've been traveling all over the place. I was in Switzerland with my family for a vacation about a week ago and spent about four or five days in Zurich, beautiful city, had a great time, expensive won't lie it's expensive (laughs) but it was really a a cool thing to do and i really really had a, a good time with the family there and then from that i went right over to los angeles and had the latest trunk nation la invasion and this one a holiday themed party from the rainbow and i mean it was a who's who of the los angeles rock scene that came out to the rainbow a week ago exactly For this huge broadcast and so much fun, and we stayed till the wee hours long after the radio show ended. Again, if you have SiriusXM and you missed that show, you can hear it on demand right now on the app. It was also shot, so there will be video up there. I cannot bring you the L.A. Invasion shows to the podcast, so you have to make sure you listen on the radio And that's really the only way to to hear those, to become SiriusXM subscribers. But so much fun we had there at the Rainbow. And I'll be doing another one coming up in January. So here we are, folks. And, I mean, what do we have? A week or two left to go in 2019 as we slam straight into the holidays now coming up. I'll be here with you, of course, every Thursday for new episodes of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. I will be doing my Trunk Nation show on volume pretty much every day, Uh, live so you'll be able to hear me every day uh, if you are in the U.S. and Canada and listen on 106. Won't be really taking all that much time off through the holidays and right into the new year and I'll be doing my best to get you new podcasts as I always do every Thursday as well. And then as we peek into January, a lot of stuff going on including the Hall of Heavy Metal History Awards that I host every year. That's on the 15th in Anaheim. I'll be doing that once again, some other stuff around the Big Nam show, and then right out of that, we have uh, we have a great uh, cruise coming up with the latest Monsters of Rock cruise, hosted every one of those since it started. I'll also be broadcasting from that once again, and sooner than all of that, tomorrow, if you're listening to this on post day, the 20th of December will be the annual That Metal Show Christmas Party, which is a lot of fun. I reunite with my TMS co-host Don Jameson, Jim Florentine, and we have a little party at a great club in New Jersey, not far from where we all live, called Dingbats in Clifton. And it's something we started doing, God, nine, ten years ago. And people have so much fun at this thing. And all we do is show up and hang out and have some drinks with everybody. And the promoter puts on some cover or tribute acts. It's just a fun, fun time. Give away a bunch of stuff. So if you're in New Jersey, we'll see you tomorrow night for the annual That Metal Show reunion Christmas party. And I am asked still about That Metal Show almost every day. I appreciate that. Who knows what 2020 holds? You know, brand new decade, you never know what's around the corner. Keep up with everything I have going on on Twitter. Instagram, at Eddie Trunk. Twitter, where I'm most active. You got eddietrunk.com, the official online home. And, of course, there is a fan page on Facebook that I post on from time to time. But that's about it for my involvement on Facebook. But by all means... Uh, Be sure to follow on Twitter for up to the second news info and updates and Instagram as well, simply at my name at Eddie Trunk. There's going to be other stuff coming up on the West Coast in January that I can't announce yet. There's just a lot going on as we close out what's been a tremendous year for me of 2019 and teeing up to be another great 2020 and I thank you all for your tremendous support and I wish each and every one of you a very, very happy holiday season wherever you are in this world. Let me remind you right now about pluto tv because pluto tv is the leading free streaming television service you can watch over 100 tv channels and thousands of movies on demand all completely free pluto tv never asks for a credit card how rare is that and you don't even need to sign up to watch for free pluto tv is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite tv shows and hit movies completely free What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all your favorite devices today, including your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. So the interview I have for you this week is with the lead singer. From a band I have a tremendous amount of respect for, and I'm extremely excited for the future for, and that is Luke Spiller, who is the lead singer of the band The Struts. If you've listened to me for any period of time, you know that for me, and I'm very encouraged about this wave of rock that is coming and happening, and I really hope some of it really breaks through. But to me, my two favorite bands of this wave, without a doubt, are the Struts and Rival Sons. Neither band is new. Both have been around for a while. The Struts have two full lengths out. Rival Sons have like six full lengths out. But they're still not exactly household names, although they've built great fan followings and are good for like, you know, 1,000, 2,000 people as a headliner anywhere in the world. So that's a pretty great accomplishment Right there, but neither of them have become massive household names yet. But of all the bands that I've seen and heard out there, those are the two that I have the most love for personally, and they're very different bands. You know, Rival Sun's much more of an organic sort of guitar based drums band where the struts have a lot of pop elements, a lot of early British glam elements, and a but both bands tremendous live. So Luke, I was doing this, uh, you know, L.A. invasion show last Thursday, and I hang from time to time with the guys in the struts when I'm in L.A. when they happen to be in L.A., because they don't live there, although as you're about to hear, Luke is about to move there. And it just turned out that I just missed them to be a part of the L.A. invasion because they were leaving L.A. the day the last L.A. invasion took place. So I said to Luke, hey, why don't you come in? to the studio and do my show with me, and he did. And he basically did, he originally told me he was going to have to leave early, but he did the almost an entire two-hour show with me that condensed here on the podcast will come in at somewhere a little over an hour. Fascinating guy to talk to. Uh, one of the things I think we are sorely, sorely missing is rock stars. People who walk it and talk it, dress it, act it, and this guy checks every box and he's a tremendous talent writer, singer, musician, plays piano and as as and as is as, as flamboyant as they come if you've ever seen the way he dresses and acts and we talked about all of that during this fascinating interview about where he wants to go with this band and he unabashedly says hey, i want to be a rock star. i want to be one of the biggest bands in the world and that's really refreshing and we need that. We need that sort of bravado and that sort of confidence moving rock forward. So this was a really fascinating conversation that I think you're going to enjoy. It's it's pretty long because again like he did like almost the whole show with me and we had a great time. I didn't expect it to get this in detailed and this in depth. Now during the conversation Brett Michaels calls in. Brett was running around L.A. and he called in and wanted to be uh, wanted to plug a few things. And you will hear during the conversation Brett join us, who is also a Struts fan, for like five six minutes. So a little bit of Brett Michaels, a lot of Luke Spiller of the Struts, and that's the interview on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. I enjoyed the hell out of this, and I really love this band, and I've heard some of the new things they're working on, and if you like what they've done before, there's no reason why you wouldn't like what they have coming uh, sometime in the next year. And they still have some live shows coming up, too, towards the end of the year, so keep an eye on their website. There's some stuff, a couple in Philly, a couple places, so get a chance to see them. By all means, be sure to do so. So that's what we have for you this week on the podcast and get ready because Luke and a cameo from Brett Michaels is right after this. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. So we are deep into this year's NFL season and everyone wants to know who will be coming out on top. Am I right? Well, then you need to check out the one podcast that can get you everything you need to know about the biggest NFL games and analysis on the postseason. I'm talking about the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Ross played seven years in the NFL before retiring, so you know he's got the insider knowledge you crave. Be sure to check out the Ross Tucker Football Podcast every week on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and many of your favorite podcast listening apps. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome back to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Great interview for you this week. Luke Spiller, lead singer of the Struts, with a drop by from Brett Michaels. That's what we have for you, and we'll get into it right now on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Enjoy. This guy just came in here looking fresh as a daisy for eleven twenty in the morning. I'm always fresh. Luke Spiller of the Struts. Good to see you, man. And you, mate. You uh, you you doing? It's good. We're both standing. I know. I don't like to sit down in interviews. I said to Luke, I said, "Do you want to sit?" He goes, no, "I like to stand." And then I thought about it. I was like, "I'm going to stand too." Alex is standing. I always stand. We're all stand. You're I like standing. to stand, but I never th- th- this console so low. I never feel like. Yeah, well, for me, the board it's just perfect waist level. So for you, I understand that. Yeah, I you, just
2: like to shake my ass constantly well
1: you know, you, on my tiptoes you there's know. more you got more energy right yeah, you're a little just, more alert you look together
2: yeah you
1: know. so listen man I uh we've run into each other unfortunately you're leaving la tomorrow because yes. we're doing our big rainbow thing tomorrow otherwise I would have been there I'd have been all over that the completely. last couple months I've done it the irony was I've done it the last two months in a row and you've walked in just yes. as we were ending and you're like, what are you doing, man? What's been going on? And I'm like, you just missed a whole deal that we had out here. I had no idea what
2: was going on. So basically, while I've been here, we've been, um, me and Adam, the guitar player from the Struts, we've been working on on new material and, and uh, just kind of like working up demos, you know, not tracked or anything. And uh, yeah, I spent the whole day. In my apartment, just writing lyrics, and I was like, oh, "I just need to get out for a drink." And 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 the the bow, as I call it, yeah, everybody knows the bow. The, the bow, yeah, is kind of become my my new local. So it was quite funny. I just said, like, "I'll come down for a cheeky couple of quiet drinks," and then and it
1: turned into a night. Yeah, <laughs> it did. It <laughs> to a night, it was a good time. So you you um you really don't like you still live in England?
2: Ah, yeah, I I was, but I'm actually moving here.
1: You, I, I knew that was going to happen. Yeah, I felt that.
2: Happening. The inevitable was happening.
1: It was, as we it speak. was. I felt you being pulled into this city because the last few times I've asked you about that, I or all the guys in the band actually said because I see you here all the time. I said, "Do you live here?" And like, no, we actually live on the road, and we live. We actually still live in England but you're making the move. I'm making the move. I'm, I'm the, first the first Are you the first of the four?
2: I am. I am. And, and you know, I, I guess we'll see what kind of happens. But it, honestly, mate, like the last three weeks have really opened up my eyes to what can be achieved when sort of someone has a bit of downtime. And let's be real. It's like everything happens here and... I should have done it quite a while ago, but I'm also a big believer that things happen at the right time, at the right reason. And I agree. Recently, things have just been really falling into place, and I've just, you know, the universe is speaking to me, and I'm just, you know, tra- listening to it and acting upon it. So, I am. I'm making the move, probably late January. So, did you find a place? I I did. Rent I did. or buy? I'm just renting. I'm just renting. Smart. I'm, you know, just to just to. Just to see like how it goes and whatnot. But
1: now, what are the what's the cost of living like in Los Angeles in the U.S. versus in the U.K.?
2: It depends where you live. I guess it's like it would be similar to to London. I mean, it's it's ridiculous.
1: London, London's insane. Well, I was just I was just telling you I was just in Zurich mm-hmm. and that's insane. Yeah, that's it's really expensive too. But you you're in in England. Do you live in London? No, I, I you know this is quite funny, but I
2: I literally. I mean let's 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 kind of like just put it in perspective we're doing about 130 to 50 shows guaranteed like in a year right you know every year and the little time off that we do have it could just be like a week or maybe two weeks and in that time I just go and visit my parents so I, I just stay there. Why not? Yeah. That's I just true. stay there. They have the they Which the way is down where south. in England? It's it's in which- a little seaside town called Dawlish, which is in the southwest and it's it's very fish and chip kind of culture down there and, and there's like a I have my local pub which I, I I take it takes me like ten minutes to walk to and but I've really enjoyed that and having that downtime but i've also noticed every time i get off the road creatively that's when things start to happen for me it's like when life as far as writing yeah exactly it's like when life starts to slow down i start to get reflective and then i start writing a lot more so it just kind of makes sense for me to have that reflective time here and and have sort of like i've i've made a lot of great musical friends over the last sort of three or four years since we've been sort of dipping in and out here and and, um, and quite recently, including these last three weeks, we've been working on a lot of, you know, new stuff, you know, not even, and stuff as well that's not quite even struts related, just sort of getting together and working just for the sake of it and having fun.
1: Well, you you sent me, I don't know if it's okay to say that. You can say anything. <laughs> <Okay. yeah. laughs> well, you sent me some of the stuff you're working on to listen to. Yes, yes. You sent me a bunch, like eight, nine, 10 Tracks, uh, demos that were really—I got back to you, really, really cool. And what blew me away about them was when you told me I was—you were going to send me some stuff. I was just like, you said, "Oh, they're just work demos, man. They're just." And look, I've, I've been in this business forever. I know what demos sound like and what demos are versus <laughs> what versus what the final product is. Uh-huh, yeah. But dude, your demos are pretty fully realized. Like I'm used to demos, like okay, there's no there's no verse here, right, there's right. no chorus yet, there's a uh, guitar missing here. I wouldn't send you that. But, you know? but well, I mean, I, I, again, I've heard that and I understand what that is too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these are like, to me, these are of the, the, what the realization and the quality of these demos are pretty much almost there. Well,
2: I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with the tracks that I sent you are ones that I'm kind of just, we're living with at the moment. Um, what they will become is is a completely different question. But we actually recorded a majority of the stuff I sent you at six oh six, with sort of uh, at the Foo Fighters studio.
1: Oh, six oh six is Dave's studio. Yes, okay. yes.
2: So we 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 did like six songs in three days and we just sort of like cut them live and went bang. So they're kind when I mean like demos they're just kind of rough and ready they're not you know right and and and, and I'm not quite sure like what to do with some of them. I know two of them are really really great. Uh but like I said like we've also been here and there's 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 stuff which is still a brewing which I'll definitely send you once once I start getting some good things back.
1: Was Grohl involved in the recording or in any aspect of the songs that you did at his place? He he walked in
2: covered in like barbecue sauce. <laughs> He's the grill master now. He is. Yeah, he <laughs> I he, he wasn't involved creatively. He I think he just wanted to see what the hell we were up to and and we were just working out these tracks because there's a beautiful, great big live room, and and they they
1: actually built it based on um, Abba's studio. Wait, so this isn't, like, a few years ago, he made a Foo Fighters record, he kept telling people in his garage, which, of course, was probably bigger than most people's houses. This isn't that. He actually built a separate facility.
2: Yeah, and it's got the old Neve, uh, desk as well from sound city okay that, which is also great because yeah. we're recording on it and every now and then it goes and the engineers just literally gotta bash
1: it to sort you're of not doing it on on tape are you
2: no 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 no. but they do have tape there I do, I, i've i heard that they a lot of um, on the previous foo's records they would uh they would do drum takes and then bounce that to tape and then build on top of a couple
1: that. records ago foo fighters record i forget which i haven't i forget which one the title but two like two records ago they recorded an analog on tape, mm-hmm. and they put about an inch of the actual tape in every CD. Really, in the sleeve, yeah. There's the actual tape. They cut sections and put a little piece in all the CDs. Well, great idea, pretty cool. Yeah, you should get them all together, and then you can play it. <laughs> exactly, you know, you have stick the it back together. There you <laughs> exactly. <go. laughs> so, so you, so you and Adam have been here because you have very little time with the schedule touring all over the world to, to work on music. Mm. And what's interesting that you said to me is that a lot of artists tell me, Hey, we, I do, I do all my writing and all my creative on the road because there's the other 22 hours of the day to occupy yourself. And I go on the back of the bus or in the lounge and I just sit down or whatever. You're telling me you need away from all that stuff to get creative. It really
2: depends. I mean, <sighs> You know, unlike a lot of other bands, like I, I think my, my day is um, is filled with, with things that are quite singular to me. You know, whether it's like I mean, I start getting ready like four hours before the show. You know, I mean, the clothes have got to be right, the makeups sort I get putting on, and I got to make sure everything looks great. And I start like running around like forty five minutes before the show, and then before that, we'll probably have press, or we'll go in and visit radio stations and stuff like that, meet and greets, sound checks. Uh, I guess creatively, sound checks, we've been working on stuff. There's a few things and riffs which we've applied to, like, these new ideas, which we really sort of worked out and jammed as a group, which was quite interesting. But I I tend to do – it's either – for me, it's either after the show when I'm sat back and I've showered and I've said hello to all the fans and whatnot, and I'm just sort of sat having a cigarette and – and everything's kind of calming, and then I'll start doing stuff. But the majority of the time, yeah, I have to kind of be off the road for for the for the juices to flow. You know,
1: mm-hmm. and that process is you and Adam basically getting together. Is that where is that where it starts? Or? It
2: really depends. It's it's it, you know what it's really been changing. It's like for the for a big majority of the time, it was me and Adam um, getting together and exchanging ideas. And then we would go in to a studio wherever we were in the world with a producer or engineer. And then we would start sort of feeding back from them as well and, and sort of building things up from the ground. Nothing too premeditated. But this year, we've we've been sort of working on like some of those tracks I sent to you. Uh, it would start with me and ads and then we we got together like as a group. And, and kind of, I know this sounds silly, but we're not the kind of group who who is, who has ever had the time or the luxury to really get into a room and do sort of pre-production where we're actually jamming and working the songs out like as a group. We always tend to lay down the song and then the tracking gets done after that. So that's kind of changed. But I guess more recently, like in these sort of in the month that we've been here, like lyrically and and, in in terms of like subject matter, I've always sort of like, I've always been very cautious not cautious but i haven't been inspired to write about myself or like anything that i'm particularly going through i I, i've always wanted to you know be be someone who can supply like escapism and i've always enjoyed building characters up in my head and and sort of like having alter egos and and all this kind of stuff and like like prima donna like me and, and roll up and all these kind of other tracks but I don't know. For the first time, I, I've actually been sitting sitting down and and writing things which I'm actually going through, and and things that are like from the heart, personal, yeah, like getting personal. personal. I mean, yeah, I mean, but it's it's lo- it's nice and it's upbeat and it's personal. And there's been a lot of personal sort of like changes that have happened to me in the last sort of like seven or eight months, which you know I, I felt for the first time that I can actually really express it. But you in, find
1: that difficult to do to expose that side of you? I did. I did. I'm assuming but, you're talking about family relationships, uh, personal relationships, whatever.
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's more and more to do with like relationships and, and and stuff like that. Whether it's you know meeting someone new or you know sort of like getting over things that have happened in the past and whatnot. But I mean, on the whole, it's quite good. I, I think the collection of tracks that we we've been working on recently are really joyous and upbeat and are about love and and. Uh, and positivity.
1: So it's it's been great. Well, let me ask you this. This ties in all this. And there's there's so much I want to talk to you about but uh, th- how how are you Okay, you're two albums in.
2: Two albums deep, baby. Two yeah.
1: albums in. You've done a ton of touring. You built this thing. Mm. I mean, the the struts went from you know, um I remember, God, you guys played a little club in Jersey and Hoboken. You know, starting <laughs> God, out, were you there? No, I wanted to go because I was a fan of the band then as well. But that I was, didn't. Was, I had I friends that were there.
2: It was two hundred and something people there.
1: Yeah, that was crazy. First time I saw you was a few years ago at the uh, when Craig Gass called me to come to see you in uh, New Orleans. You yes. played House of Blues while Voodoo was going on because yes, I yes, was yes, at yes. Voodoo with Foo Fighters. I remember and that, then was, that. I was came. It. came to see you guys at House of Blues—that was the first time I saw you guys play live. But my point is, it's building. There's radio, there's TV commercials, the Dodge commercial, dancing in the streets, and mm. you're becoming a known person now in terms of, you know, the face of the band. Let's be honest, mm-hmm. and 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 everything that's gone. How are you dealing with that? Because I'm, I, I love that this is happening for you. But you know that music history is filled with stories of people that handle that all very well. And as fame comes in and here you are getting ready to move to L.A., like all the trappings (laughs) that come with that. Are you worried? Like, you know, we want to make sure Luke doesn't go off the rails. Like, are you good at keeping yourself balanced when you need to? Are you worried? Are you Are you standing here now, telling me you are worried that you could be a train wreck in six months?
2: I mean, what a beautiful train wreck it would be. Um, <laughs>
1: no, I mean, look, I love it. I love it. That's it's. it's See here, here's what I'm gonna get. To, I'm gonna get further on this with you. Okay. We need people like you in rock music. So I'm not being critical at all. Right. I'm I'm being the opposite. I think we need people like Luke Spiller. I think what what the world is missing right now in rock music and the, beyond the great songs that the Struts have and beyond how much I love your band, to me, I'm just being honest, you are the great intangible as I see it. And I don't mean to put extra pressure on you, but among <laughs> the rock landscape, like I'm very encouraged about where things are going with rock. I think yeah. we have a million great bands, mm. but we have very few personalities, people that walk it and talk it. Mm -hmm. And that can be a dangerous thing because people can look at you and say, oh, he's full of himself, he's an arrogant dick, look at how he acts, whatever. So it's a fine line between that and... No, this guy knows. You know, he's got a little bravado, and we need some fucking rock stars. I love today. it. That's so I, yeah. I think you're you're walking that line brilliantly, and I think you're exactly what we need right now. But I'm wondering if you're processing all of that. How much of that is calculated, or just your natural personality? It's what I've always wanted, I, I, and the thing is, I'm
2: not ashamed to say it. I I want I want it all, and I want to be the biggest, and I want to be the best. It's like. We got a lot of great festivals coming this year, and I love the festivals because it's like competitive. Yes, I find it super see few
1: artists will will admit to I, that. I don't give a, a I'll admit you to did. it right now. I I'm admit. glad you did because it, it it music. It's always been competitive, and anyone always. tells you it's not is bullshitting. Look,
2: whoever says they don't want to be the biggest and the best, they're talking out their ass, right? Or, or you know, they should just go home and and knit a jumper or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> but when like for the festivals, for instance, when I walk in there, especially when we get up on stage, it's great. Like, whether it's whether it's two o'clock in the, in the afternoon or or we get a later slot, like as the sun's going down, it's all a massive statement for me. It's like, yeah, I I love the performing aspect, but I'm also here to to show people how it's done, and I'm also here to show people like what we can do. You know, because that's that, it's the only
1: thing I've I've
2: really got. You know, it's, it's the only
1: thing. Where really does it come from, though? Like, was, oh. is it instilled in you or is it stuff you saw coming up? Because when I saw you live for that first time and I walked in, I was just like, Jesus, this guy is controlling this whole crowd. Like, this, this, we don't, there's nobody that's doing this right now. Beyond the song, if you didn't have the songs, I wouldn't give a shit. <laughs> Honestly, to me, it's always about the songs. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. if the songs aren't there, who gives a fuck? Yeah. But when you've got the songs and what you're doing up there, mm. and your command of the audience, and your ability to sing and play everything so great. It's the total package. It's all the check. You're checking all the boxes. But where does it come from? Is it a lot of rehearsal and work at it and looking at other bands and putting it all together, or is it just instilled in you? I think it's. I think it's in,
2: instilled in me from from my idols. I think if if for every behind all of the people that I, I I've looked up to and admired, I think we've all had the same men- mentality. It's like even when I was give me young- those
1: people, obviously <laughs> Freddie.
2: Obviously, but even when I was younger, um, Michael Jackson, James Brown. I mean, Michael Jackson, for instance. You know, that guy was constantly projecting to be the biggest and the best, and and he worked extremely hard to do so. James Brown as well, like you know, calling himself the Godfather of Soul, and and you know, again, one of the greatest showmen that that, that ever David lived. Lee Roth. It, it, yes, again, um, Bon Scott. You know, I, Angus Young, Angus Young. You know, I, I always thought that Angus is is more of the front man, Steven Tyler. It, yet again, you know, it's it's it, even even people like Robert Plant, like mm-hmm. that 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 guy wasn't stood there, sort of um singing his heart out the, the way that he was and and had that sort of like presence about him because he was, you know, he was all about the music. You know, I mean, he he wanted to to give a show mm. and and create some sort of atmosphere. So I. I it's, it's just been it's just the way that I've always thought is, is, is the way to do it. It's is as, as simple as that ever since I was 15 and I did my first show in a tiny tiny little um, club called the, the, the Croft in in Bristol and I'd made my own outfit. I'd, I'd got this this sweater or jumper as we call it in the UK, and and I got a sewing machine, and I'd created these bat wings, and I'd put like studs on the back of it. I used to call myself Ace Phoenix at that point when I was like 15. Oh, is that right? That was my persona, yeah. And and it was. That's a great name, by the way. That's awesome. <laughs> you should have said
1: that. You, you Use that as your alias on the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When that'll you, be my
2: hotel yeah, name. When don't you, tell him. Well,
1: you're doing the enormo domes of the world in a couple of years. Yeah. Hey, how can we get to Luke Spiller's name? Use Ace Phoenix. Yeah, there you go. If you're
2: looking for me, mate, you know, and you know I'm going to be the, uh,
1: or if the struts do one of those, uh, you know, underplay shows, like you're an arena act uh-huh. at that point, but you're going to go into the city the night before and do like the tiny little club. Yeah, move. Yeah, yeah. You bill yourselves as Ace Phoenix, the Ace Phoenix. awesome. Hey, hold your thought right there because I got to take a break. We'll come back with more. This is
0: the Eddie trunk podcast.
1: Let's get back to more of my conversation with Luke Spiller of the Struts and a cameo from Brett Michaels on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. Luke Spiller's in the studio with me, and uh, Brett Michaels will be joining me live coming up at 3.15 Eastern, 12.15 Pacific. But continuing with Luke, all right, so let's get to the the idea. Give me some idea, or the Struts fans, if you will, of musically where you want to go with this yet uncompleted third record musically where i want to go because um, to me the thing about you know we talked about some of your influences as a performer and all that but the struts walk a lot of lines musically too yeah you really do. You I mean, you have elements of a lot of different things and you see that uh-huh. when people go to strut shows. Yeah. I've seen people in metal shirts, I've seen people into pop bands. Like you're you're checking a lot of boxes there too. Mm. So where do you want to go with the band? I
2: I want to continue sort of to have the freedom to to do what I want and and what we want as a group. I I I I I mean, of course like live I consider us a rock band. It's a rock show. It's it's really in your face. It's going to blow your ears off. A lot of crowd participation, etc. But musically, when it comes to creative, I, I I want to do what feels good. It's like if, if I want to do something which is slightly more minimalistic or something which is ridiculously bombastic, I, I don't want the struts to ever be boxed in or, or create a ceiling over our heads, you know, because for me, sky's the limit. And we can do anything that we want, and I think we're, we're dynamic enough, like a lot of my favourite bands, where we can dip into like these different genres and um, and make the most of it. As long as the songs are great, I don't care. You know, it, we could do something which was like Marvin Gaye or or, or like Lenny Kravitz, for example. Um, but as long as it's great, and as long as I believe in it, then that's all that matters. But with this new material. I don't know maybe I can't I can't reveal too much at the moment but well everyone will just have to wait and see it's definitely going to surprise some people there are some things in there that people are going to be like whoa like did not expect that I can guarantee you that
1: you know I on the last record you guys one of the things I really loved that was I thought a little different for you and was just almost reminded me of something like Jim Steinman would almost do mm-hmm. was fire yeah yeah in yeah. <laughs> part two parts two different parts but that to me was so so kind of grand and epic uh-huh. while still being what is it two four minute songs if mm-hmm. you put them together so that that was a kind of a cool sort of thing and yeah. then um you know then there's like funky stuff and then there's more straight up rock stuff so that is always going to sort of be the mix of what you want to do. Definitely. I, I don't think we'll, I mean,
2: God knows what will happen in the future. But for instance, like right now, um, me and Adam have been sort of concentrating on on stuff which is simple and hooky and really trying to ask ourselves like, okay, how do we take this glam thing and and, and put it into 2020 and make it something which is unique which does sort of like look at the past but yet sort of accelerates itself into a new year and creates something exciting because the, the, the big arrangement stuff you know it kind of really comes natural like I'm I'm a huge, huge Jim Simon
1: fan. Like, oh, you! Oh, you are! I so am. I was on mark with that.
2: Oh, absolutely! Oh, okay. Absolutely. He is my hero. He's probably one of my biggest musical. Mostly
1: from Bad Out of Hell, or I, I
2: mean, I'm I'm a big fan of um, Bad for Good, the the solo album that he that he put right. out when him and Meatloaf fell out, which was meant to be the follow up to Bad right, Out of Hell, right. which I I think is an incredible album, and his voice is completely terrible on it, but I love it. I love it. I love it to death, and. I mean, I've been working on a musical for like seven years, like a rock musical, which is very Jim Steinman. And have you ever met him? No, I've never met him. No. I think I'd fall to pieces. I think I would evaporate if I ever met him.
1: You know that he was supposed to produce Def Leppard Hysteria? I know. And they started and they boarded the whole thing? Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad. Was it Mutt Lang? Who- Mutt ended up coming back yeah, and yeah, doing yeah. it. Thank yeah. God. Yeah, you know. yeah. But I would have been, but it would have, there's still like for amongst leopard fans that sort of like what if what been, you know? <laughs> and if you talk to joe he's like it ain't nothing you wouldn't want to hear, then, hear no, no, uh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah he also did and i'm wearing this guy's shirt i love billy squire yeah and he, he, he s- did he did a billy squire album too. i did
2: yeah and one Signs of my of one of my uh favorite like you you know everything's like all the spotify stuff and everything and, and the other streaming sites like it you know it's telling you what what songs you've been listening to like the most. oh i just
1: saw that everybody on social media is pumping out yeah. their page or whatever i mean it is quite interesting yeah i don't do i don't do spotify so i don't know but i've seen that like everywhere in the last week everybody's like here's my report for yeah. the year
2: i literally so i was looking at mine and i and i listened to air supply which um is that no, was that your number one no it was like number two making love out of nothing at all which is written by jim steinman and I, I, I discovered it. My, my monitor engineer told me about it because we're big meatloaf fans and you know, he's a, he's a real muso and, and we exchange a lot of music together. And he was like, he was like, you've got to hear this song. And I was like, I'd never heard it before because they were a huge band here, as far as I'm aware. Who? Meatloaf? No, um, Air Supply. Air Supply, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With that, with that song. And, and I listened to it and I was like, this, this is, you know, those tracks that like you just listen to and you're like, Bonnie what? Tyler,
1: Total Eclipse of the Heart. Where
2: has this been like all of my life? And and then <laughs> so like I found this playlist uh, and it was literally everything that Jim Steinman has ever touched, ever written, produced and everything. And I just, I just exhausted. I literally lived in that playlist. Did you like it all? I, pretty much. I'd say like a solid 75% of it yeah. I did. I did enjoy. Uh, but he he's a hero, man, and and uh, making love out of nothing it always just it's just brilliant. I love I love his titles, I love his play on words, and and I love the innuendos, and I, and I love how brash it is, and it's just I, I'd say if anything the world needs a little bit more of that, and and it's funny like I I have this thing where I where I really love certain artists, and and other people are like yeah, but you know that's they're a joke, and and like I, who I, I mean like like meatloaf See, Um, I don't
1: believe anyone. See, I don't believe in guilty pleasures. No. I hate that. Like, if it makes you happy, I've never given a shit about what people think of my musical tastes. Like, it's what I like. Fuck you if you don't like it. Like, I've fought that since high school, man. And it makes me nuts when people sort of try to judge you for what you are into or not into. It's a personal thing. I don't believe in guilty pleasures. It doesn't matter.
2: You should never feel guilty about anything that gives you pleasure.
1: You want to rock Air Supply, Luke Spiller? You go fucking rock Air Supply, man.
2: Times in a row as I brush my <laughs> no, teeth. You number know.
1: two on Spotify, the future, the future leader of rock music, ladies and gentlemen. The guy who has to save the scene is number two. What was number
2: one? Number one was sixty thousand minutes worth of um, Badlands by Bruce Springsteen. I've listened to in twelve months.
1: That song,
2: just that one song, sixty thousand minutes. <laughs> can you believe that why that song i don't know it's just like
1: (laughs) he had other good songs i know
2: know. (laughs) mate (laughs) trust me man i'm i'm prove it all night i mean i don't know i literally i have this weird thing i'm i get obsessive i get obsessive and i i have to know every single thing to do with that specific song and that track is one of those songs that no matter what's happening in the world how i'm feeling like how hungover i am or tired or just fed up i literally put it on i'm just i'm just ready to i'm just ready to eat the day up again
1: wow that's amazing all right we got this this is we have some revealing (laughs) stuff going on here steiman's stuff is so thematic it's like it's it's crazy and you said that uh total eclipse of the heart was written for meatloaf 2 which i didn't realize yeah yeah was that
2: I mean, was it, supply? It, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, there's so there's there's like a there's a there's an album called Bad for Good, which was meant to be the follow. up oh, I know. Yeah. Right. And then they fell out. Jim found it upon himself to try and do everything and sing. And 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 he, it's it's a beautiful disaster of an album. <laughs> it's like it's one of those albums where yes. I first heard it and I was like, oh, my God, this is kind of like a borderline horrific. And then. It's it's like I fell in love with it. I can't listen to um the other versions of those specific songs. Like there was a track on there which Barbara Streisand did, you know, Meatloaf ended up doing bad for good on uh, with Brian May and, and Jim. And then there was loads of people, loads of people sort of like took songs from the specific album, and made them their own and, and reworked them. But it's his vo- it's his ones that I enjoy the most because cause he wrote them, despite the voice not being great, you can hear and feel the emotion. Yeah. It's just bizarre. You know, you
1: know what's interesting about meatloaf, and I know we'll move off of this. Trust me, <laughs> we're just going to talk about meatloaf. And Brett Michaels is going to call in at some point in this hour. He just sent me a long text, and he's running all over L.A. But he will call at some point, and we'll just pop him on when he does. And we'll do something more with him and the tour whenever his schedule is loose a little more loose. But anyway, the whole meatloaf thing is crazy because, and I didn't realize this, and a good friend of mine. Has been meets like right hand guy as producer, uh, writer, everything for probably the last 15, 20 years, Paul Crook. I did not know that Meatloaf in America, Bat Out of Hell is yeah. massive. Ma- I probably sold 10 million copies. It's up there
2: with Back and Black,
1: Thriller, everything. Massive. Yeah. And then that's really it for Meatloaf in this country, except for. I would do anything for love, Mm -hmm. which came way later, but one song from that, which I guess was the sequel to that, that Mm -hmm. too. But in, but in England, Meatloaf actually has like, uh, is my friend Paul told me is way bigger, like in the UK and Europe. Like, you know, my point is in England, they know records beyond bad out of hell here in America. They really don't. Maybe wow. a song or two, but it's all about Bad Out of Hell. It's one record here. Right. Where in the UK, it's like Meatloaf's like, oh, we, you know, five, six, seven records. Yeah, do you know got... why that
2: is? No. That's me. So I'm solely <laughs> responsible for that.
1: No, but that's, Steinman didn't do all that other stuff though. I, I mean. Uh, Are you a Meatloaf fan beyond Steinman? Yeah.
2: That's a controversial question. For me, it's like, i I, I don't know. You can't kind of have one without the other. If that makes any any sense, there are there are songs that that I know Meat has done w- without him, which which I still you know thoroughly enjoy, um, like uh, the one he did with Share. Was that was that done with Jim? I don't know. I don't
1: know. I don't know. I'm not sure. What was your first concert? My first concert.
2: <laughs> oh my god! It really depends because I grew up going to church. So my first taste of live music was my dad leading the worship, playing his guitar. Did you sing in church? I I had to. You know, it was. It was. But were you in the choir and all that? No, 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 no. It was. It was more like, you know, yeah, Jesus lives. You know, all that kind of stuff. So, if I wasn't singing, I'd be stood next to my mother, obviously. And if I didn't, she'd just sort of like glare at me. You know, it was very much um, keeping up appearances. You know, if I but it I,
1: wasn't it wasn't in the church where people discovered you as a singer.
2: No, no, uh, but no, it wasn't. It wasn't. I remember. I remember. I used to sing, but it wasn't like, ironically, from the heart. You know, I was doing it because I I kind of had to, and and and, and sort of please my 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 dear mum, who would have been really embarrassed if I didn't sing. Mm. Um, but my first concert, I never actually made it. I never made my first show. I, I was set to go see Electric 6. Do you remember that band? No. What? Electric 6. Electric 6 from Detroit probably has one of the greatest rock albums entitled Fire. Electric 6? Electric 6. Never
1: heard of them in my life. Danger, danger. What? High Voltage
2: with Jack White? Uh, I don't I don't it's a Jack White band? Jack White sang a duet with them. On their debut album, and they had a song called "Gay Bar." They were huge, and in, in they they just broke out of nowhere in like two, how long? What, when did the record come out? Two thousand two or three. It is phenomenal. I gotta
1: search it out. I'd never, I've never
2: heard of it. Really? That was gonna be your first show. That was gonna be my first show, and I was I was sixteen, and we had this amazing idea of it was like it was November or in or January in the UK, so it was freezing cold, and I was wearing a, a, a glitter cape. Of course, with with my chest out, and that was it. Because as you would, all of their songs are are about you know sort of like nuclear wars on the dance floor, and you know you know all this kind of stuff, right? So I was just kind of like going along with the theme, and we pre-gamed, as you call it over here. Yeah, you know, which I I tailgate, (laughs) tailgate, whatever. Anyway, we bought a huge, big bottle of vodka, and um, I it was safe to say that on an empty stomach after spending my lunch money to put together towards this this horrifically cheap litre of vodka. I, I drank the most of it and then I, I, I got to the queue and then... And, and then or I, the line as we would call it. Or the line. <laughs> yeah. And then I was out there and then I sparked up a, a joint and then that was it. It was game over. I then collapsed in an alleyway and then was was throwing up and then the ambulance came. and Oh, it was that bad? Yeah. And then I had... I, it's, I ended up getting my stomach like pumped and then because i almost died of hypothermia it was like my my friends were so shit scared they waited like two hours to call the ambulance because i i couldn't move oh wait isn't
0: that like standard procedure in england like they'll just pump your stomach and then back out you go
2: I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, but maybe Is that a like, thing? yeah, they have like when when all the pubs are going on, they'll just be like, all right, bring them in, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, we'll just carry on. That's how we are in the UK. But it was it was not safe- too
1: much to drink. We'll pump you out and fill you up
2: again, no problem. But back in you go. <laughs> it was safe to say it was, I, I, and I remember, and all I, rem- I that was it. I don't remember anything. And then I woke up in hospital, and my dad was was sat next. to How me. old were you at this point? Fifteen.
1: Oh wow! So it's really young to be that. Yeah,
2: to be that inebriated. Up, yeah. yeah, and and I, and the first thing I said is I saw my dad and I was like, did I miss Electric 6? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. And despite everything, it, and my friend took a picture of me like sort of all hooked up and wired up and like completely just gone. And it said, it said, Luke Spiller, ethanol poisoning, plus, 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 or something like that. You weren't Ace Phoenix yet. No, but but <laughs> my friend was like, my friend who was the drummer in my old band, the ambulance came and and, and they were like, what's his name? What's his name? And he was like, his name's Luke. But in this state, he probably will respond to, to Ace Phoenix. You have to call him Ace. <laughs> So she was like, Ace, Ace, I need you to get up. And apparently I got up and I grabbed her boob accidentally. It was it was a yeah, she was a she was a female um sort of like ambulance worker and then yeah, they they threw me into the ambulance and I was so cold that um they couldn't find any veins. So they ripped all of my clothes off, which wasn't a lot. It was just this huge disco cape and they took down my trousers or pants as you say around here. And then and then yeah, they just sort of like um blew this like They took this funnel and blew hot air everywhere and then jabbed, like, these needles into me to kind of, like, get me to to wake up and whatnot. But it was... It was a, it was good night out but that
1: would have been my first show. <laughs> it would have been. It would what have was been the my... first show you were conscious for, Luke? Uh that was in t- that was the year I <laughs> that was, You weren't getting <laughs> Revived before it started. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um I did
2: get to see them actually at one point and and the Electric 6 the following year and I joined them on stage and was doing press ups and then I and then we I met them and we were all throwing the the singer Dick Valentine in the air. But my first proper show after that would have been to see the darkness when they headlined reading and leeds festival i think it was 2003 so it would have been the year after that
1: hmm. why do you think the darkness hasn't been bigger in america are they big in england i had justin <laughs> on and and rufus was in as well on mm-hmm. this show and i talked to him a little bit about this that i think that in america there's almost a feeling that they're a bit of a novelty band right which they really aren't no, you know it's not like it's Steel Panther or something where it's a, a spoof. Yeah, it, 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 they, they really aren't. But I think because of the only thing they came close to really hit here was thing called Love, mm. and I think because of the video and how you know wacky they were in it, people almost thought of them as like not serious.
2: Well, I think it was this, it was the same in the UK. But uh, but the, the I do you know what it is? I think when when you look back at sort of like any group, um, there's there's a level of momentum that sort of in Im- from what I can gather, that happens like a very few times in in any artist's career, and and I think it's like extremely important that 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 group or that artist has to capitalize on that and go all all the way. Um, I I can I don't exactly know a huge amount of detail to, to comment on why, you know, that band in particular isn't bigger, which they should be uh, over here. Because they I, have their
1: fans, but it's just, they can't seem to get over that hump here.
2: I think it was, I think maybe it's this, but it's the same with Oasis as well. Like, you know, they they were gods. in were Stadium in, Act in England, in right? In the UK. And yeah. then they came over here working the debut album, definitely, uh, um, uh, yeah, definitely maybe. And yeah. then it's like, America, you need a completely different work ethic. It's like, and it's been, it becomes a shock to a lot of groups in the UK. And to be honest, I can see why it either, if you don't break America, it might break your band. Um, especially for a group like Oasis or the Darkness, whoever, where the country in which they hail from is sort of like embraced them with open arms and then all this success is thrown at them. And then you, you, you go across the pond, and all of a sudden, you're thrown into this place, which, let's be real, is, is fucking huge.
1: Well, I was just going to say, is the biggest obstacle, the size. It, it's, it's
2: massive. It's like nothing else on planet Earth, right. right? In terms of like a market, because it's got countries within itself, and that's what it feels like, anyway, within the States. So, you know, you're sort of like, by the time I think bands get there, they're either exhausted Uninspired, disenchanted, or you know, and and that that is that's tough to go from having so much praise to pretty much having to turn a new one and start again is a big challenge for a lot of bands. And I I do feel extremely lucky that we we've been
1: quite the opposite. It's like I was going to say that you, yeah, we've talked about this before, but you but America embraced the struts long before England did. Now yep. it's come around for you in England in a big way. Yeah. I saw you guys play that show in uh in Pennsylvania I saw you do in in Allentown or Bethlehem Pennsylvania I don't know when it was it was for the last record and you even said on stage that you you were just hey this is our home you know you guys got us first and it's true. You, know, you you were you're pretty you know at the expense of that YouTube video getting back into England you were yeah. pretty you, know, you pretty much you know took, almost took a little bit of a shot at your home country, although it didn't hurt you because shortly after that, well, I know it was a big deal that Dave Grohl made that comment saying that the yeah. Struts were the best opening act the Foo Fighters ever had, and mm. that really changed the tide for you in England, right?
2: I I mean yes and no. It's like and 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 to be honest, if I was to make sort of like any criticism whatsoever, it would never be about the people attending the shows. It's it's you know I. I I mean, I used to do it a lot. God, I was so bitter. I'd be like,
1: "God, right?" That's yeah. what I saw on stage. I used to be like, "Fuck the UK, man!" And it, like, r- yeah. it plays great in America. I mean, yeah, like, Fuck oh, it, yeah, yeah, British like, yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, he loves yeah, us. Love <laughs> it's
2: true. They do love that. And yes, there was a part of me which did play upon that. But it's even to this day, the UK have never played any of our music on on the radio or any major radio station. And every single Single that we've presented that we presented in the US has been like completely denied straight away, even after even after Dave Grohl said what he said, even that radio station wouldn't play the music. Really,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. It really doesn't matter. I don't know. But it changed. It has changed because I know you've, you've gotten great reviews. I read the British rock magazines, uh, whether it be classic rock or whatever. Prima Donna is on their number one playlist Mm -hmm. and you've, you went, you play download, right? I mean, you've, you've got, it's definitely changed. But do you think some of the sort of backlash, if there is such a thing for the struts in England is because Joe Elliott told me this many times when Def Leppard's first record came out, the lead single on it was a song called Hello America. Yeah. And that pissed off the (laughs) Brits like you can't believe because they looked at it as Mm. Def Leppard, our boys, our British boys, just reaching for the grail of America Mm. so out of the box. Yeah. And what I never knew until Joe told me was that in America, Def Leppard broke enormously on Pyromania. Mm -hmm. But he said that where here in America, Leopard would play and headline arenas mm. and sold 10 million copies of Pyromania. He would go home to England <laughs> and no one in the street would stop him from like no. to go get a loaf of bread. It <laughs> didn't happen there till hysteria, yeah. which I never knew, which I found amazing. But they had to keep, they took him three, four albums to punch through because there was this bias that they were a British band catering to America. Do you think that happened to your band?
2: No. No, I we we released the debut album the same one that we released here pretty much. Uh the Everybody same, Wants came out Everybody Once came out 2 years before we released it here.
1: Same tracks, same Pretty
2: much. It was like there was about 3 or 4 other tracks. Honestly, I think I've done something. I think I fucked someone's wife or something <laughs> at the top I, and and someone has a grudge against me. I I I, I in England I, in the UK. I must have I must have done something wrong. Like the tickets speak for themselves. It's like the marketplace is pretty much on par with like what we're doing here in terms of like our our, our the people that are coming, the attendance and whatnot. So you know I've been
1: wait. So you're saying the draw is is, is fine in England right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. But you're not getting radio support in England. No. No. Still, not so, nothing from n- the two records.
2: Nothing, uh, not on the major platforms like BBC Radio One, Two, or whatnot. So, I've definitely been a bad boy to someone, for sure. <laughs> Do you
1: really believe that?
2: I, ha- I, it's the only other option left. You know, maybe, maybe in my more sort of like promiscuous years, I, I, I've definitely done something wrong, or maybe not done it good enough. You know. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: This is awesome. We got to get to the bottom of maybe Ace Phoenix did this, and we don't know. Blame it on Ace
2: Phoenix. Maybe it was the ambulance worker who I who (laughs) I indirectly, (laughs) accidentally, sexually harassed that night. Maybe she's now the head of the BBC.
1: Yeah, it was a Me Too moment at fifteen. That's it. It's coming out. You know. (laughs) What do you draw in England when the Struts play?
2: I mean, like we're we're doing like, God, like anywhere between fifteen hundred to two thousand and you when we when we do we, we played it. we played the UK twice this year we decided to do everything twice just because we could so in sort of like the a markets like london manchester and um, god leeds was fantastic it's all averaging between 1500 to
1: 2500 a night what and what, what's your probably about the same average draw here in america for you as a headline right yeah
2: i mean we've i mean it's it's America's always one step ahead like we did Pier 17 which was fantastic
1: and then the next day you played in Pennsylvania I remember you said I'm glad you didn't come to that show (laughs) because it was a a parking lot of a casino or something it was mate yeah I mean that's that's the
2: beauty of it all um but it's, I mean, Pier Seventeen was great. I got to ride a Harley Davidson out on stage, and and that was sold out. That was like you we went off
1: Rob Halford on that one. Huh? I know,
2: man. Like literally, that was the, bi- the weirdest thing that ever happened. Like two months before, this guy said, "Hey, man, like Harley, you're interested uh, in sort of getting in touch with you, and would you would you ever consider working with Harley Davidson?" And I was like, "Yeah, man, like cool." And he was like, "Okay, so what do you want to do?" And I was like. I was like, I want to ride a fucking Harley on the stage.
1: Do you ride? Did you ride before this? No, absolutely (laughs) not.
2: Right? So this tiny this tiny little idea that I had, spur of the moment, when I was when I was drinking coffee, waking bacon, and talking to this guy, suddenly became, okay, let's do that. It can't be that hard. Turned into, okay, Harley are now going to supply you with like training on your days off when you're on tour with a with an ex police biker cop, right? who was lovely shout out to casey if you're if you're hearing and he he basically trained me for sort of like a a month or so and then we we went out on the road and then it turns out right three days before the bloody show i found out that i actually technically couldn't put the bike in ignition and actually start it up (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) right because he's on his
1: sequined gown (laughs) an eyeliner and giant heels trying to start a harley on stage
2: i'm not even joking man so i'm like i'm like you fucking kidding me like i've done all of this training which was fantastic but i was like, now i can't even start the fucking bike so what we had was we had pipe and drape for about 11 feet worth of pipe and drape where the audience can see me i had to fucking put the bike in ignition uh, uh, sort of like no in neutral and then two stunt coordinators came right, Holy shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then they fucking pushed me out onto the stage and then i had to i had to make it to the drum riser and that was a good like 20 feet you know and if you've ever ridden a bike i don't i it's like if you're not using the clutch and you're on the bike and and you you haven't got an acceleration as soon as you start slowing down you're fucked like you're, you're tipping oh, yeah or you, you know you've got to come to a stop and it's heavy And it's heavy, and it was a fairly decent-sized bike. So I was like, all right. This is in front of almost 4,000 people sold out. We got helicopters, right, above the audience filming this entrance, and it's going to be- It's a
1: lot of pressure.
2: Mate, pressure's not even the word, man. (laughs) Pressure's not even the word. What
1: was the song you were coming out to on the Harley? Prima Donna.
2: All right. Prima Donna like me. So it went, and then we had these. And this is the most hilarious thing, because I couldn't rev the engine. We had a fake- motorbike like engine coming through the PA. So it was like, I
1: think priest does that too. So I don't, yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. I've
2: heard you, you can't because, um, yeah, the, you know, the health and safety and whatnot, All right. but yeah, they pushed me. And then I, I, I thank God I, I, I parked it, I put the kickstand up properly and it stayed there. But and... that barely makes any sense. Cause isn't Pier 17 a rooftop. It's not like you got to worry about fumes and shit. So uh, <sighs> do you know what? I, I was told that was the way that it was going to happen. And you're right. You're right. It's not like an
1: arena, right? You know, but it's there's not a roof on it, line. right? You got exhaust there, yeah. But yeah, so God. I'm sure you looked glorious doing it. Oh, it's all over I'm YouTube. Sure, you know. I got to look at it. I'm sure you looked. It looked seamless. But now we know the story behind it. There you go. All right, Luke Spiller's here. We're hanging out. We're we're gonna. You know, Luke thought I ended at three I, uh, Pacific. I end at one Pacific, at four <laughs> Eastern. So we got 40 minutes left to go. We're waiting on Brett. All right, Brett Michaels is going to call in in. Twelve, thirteen minutes. He's a fan of yours as well, Luke. So, Is he? yes. So uh, you'll get to. do you have ever met him?
2: I never have. No, we shared a tour. We we shared a driver actually. A bus driver. A dr- bus driver who who because uh, I, I believe Brett rides a lot of motorcycles, and so did my. Um... He
1: knows how to start him.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I know. I
1: know how to start a bike. All right, <laughs> right? Well, let's just get that straight. You know, what was what was the best struts tour so far? The, Foo Fighters. Um
2: it's so different because you've got with the Foo Fighters uh, tour it was I mean yeah it was great to watch them every night it was fantastic to sort of like form genuine relationships like,
1: you came out and did under pressure with them that, pretty much every night
2: yeah which was you know if I if I was to get hit by a bus after this interview then you know I could say I, I, I had a great great time and I had some great experiences and that being definitely one of the top I've I've had to date, um, but you can't
1: beat your own audience. You can't when you you mean do your own headline shows.
2: Yeah, like I, I playing in front of the foos was t- was was great. But you know you've got it's like you come out. I came out on stage every night like a bullet from a gun, and it was it was relentless. There was no time to relax, even sip a water. Sometimes it's just like bang 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 because I gotta get everyone as soon as I can and as soon as I get out there engaged with me otherwise and if and if you fall off it but just for me what seems like just even 15 seconds then we're going to lose them. I mean I'm just like that anyway like I, I turn around and I shout at the other guys in the band like if, if I feel like the gap is longer than 15-20 seconds in between you know song A to B or whatever you know it's like I like to keep things moving I like it to be relentless.
1: You know I just realised something you toured you opened shows for Motley Crew, yes. On what was their farewell tour, right?
2: I know, man. And then I saw that post the other day. Well, even yesterday, I was like, "Oh, okay, but it's, it's all right." But yeah.
1: well, so, so Motley is. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what are your thoughts on that? Because you were part of the whole—not that you were part of it, but you were more the support act for some mm-hmm. of that tour. The end. The contract never coming back, and here we are. <laughs> On this big tour, did you have any? Did you believe that that was going to be it for Motley Crue? Did you get to spend time with them? Did you get to know them at all on that tour?
2: Uh, I mean, I was I was in touch with Nikki mostly, and we because they
1: admit they were not getting along, which is one of the reasons why it ended. Oh, really? Oh yeah, they've been public about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I mean you could I don't know I mean it's, I I guess it's like
2: any dynamic it's it, each member sort of has its own camp if that, if that makes any sense e- right. even the even the struts to an extent has that um but I didn't I I didn't really get to meet everybody it was mainly Tommy and and Nikki like I actually we actually spent new year's eve with with Tommy and that he threw Oh my, man my, th- <laughs> and you live to tell about that huh <laughs> Yeah yeah I didn't get my stomach <laughs> pumped then no and and um he did like this after show thing at the, uh, at the Staples Center where they were playing. I believe it was Staples
1: Center. Yeah, it was the last show.
2: Yeah, and that was fun. They had like a... Uh, a
1: so you played that show? I did, yeah. So, so the Struts were the support act on the very last, yes. at that time, Motley show, the New Year's Eve show. At the Staples. last
2: four shows. We did one in Vegas and three in LA.
1: How did you guys go down with their crowd?
2: I thought it went down great. Yeah. Yeah, it went down. I I remember it being good. I mean, God, it was a while now.
1: I think that was three after... years.
2: Was it? Some, I thought two, it was four years ago, wasn't it? 16? Well, it was
1: in sixteen into seventeen, right? It's Four years. He's pointing out. yeah, sixteen into seventeen or fifteen into sixteen. Hold on, let me Google it. Was the last Motley show until the next?
2: Either way, it feels like it feels like a million years ago. I mean, I remember, I remember. Um, I I do remember us going down really well. I do remember that. Did you ever
1: have a date where you opened for an act and you didn't go down well and you had, and the crowd was flipping the bird or you had to really work? Or December 31st,
0: 2015. 15, correct. There go. So
1: it's into 16. So it's three, It's it's three, three almost four years. Yeah. Wow, there shit, go. time flies. Did you ever have a brutal show where people no. were killing you?
2: I, no, I've never had a bad, bad show. I've never had a show where I haven't been able to win the audience over. Even if it was 20 people... At sort of like these these festivals that we've done in sort of like the amphitheaters and stuff like that, I've always thought, right? You know what? there have been times in the last couple of years where we will do a festival and we'll, it will be like at one o'clock in the afternoon, and and we're um, really excited to play it. And then the crowd has been quite sparse for 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 whatever reason. I'm not I'm not quite sure. Um, but I'll still go out there and and, and play exactly the same with exactly the same tenacity and energy as if if it was sort of like 4,000 of our own fans. It's just kind of like the way we do it. I I did create... I did get mischievous once when we first came over in that year, 2015. I was drinking a lot when we were on tour. And I I used to... I used to get extremely loose before I got on stage in in those days. And I remember... Loose
1: in terms of drinking? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Just, you know, it was... I, I, I liked to to get a a great buzz on before i before i got on and that was that was the way it was ever since i was sort of like 16 it
1: was always like that but you just said that in a past tense do you not do that anymore
2: not not so much no no like now for the majority i'll sort of like be sober on stage now because you know i mean i'm even better you know when i when i'm sober
1: (laughs) but you're cognizant of that too that's part of growing up that you realize that you've got people out there that paid for the show and you don't want to be a mess and you've got a you've got a a lot of it's on you, man. You're the front man. You're mm-hmm. the singer. You've got to. You've got to be on it.
2: Yeah, and I'm proud to say that we haven't canceled a show in five years. Yeah, you know, despite the schedule. But that is because sacrifices
1: are made and whatnot. But, but what happened this time when you had one too many?
2: Oh, well, we were playing the show, and I, oh God, where was it? I, I think it was in Detroit. Anyway, they're nuts around there, right? They're real big rock fans, and. I was sort of, like, in between a song, sipping my drink, and this, and everyone's just, like, rowdy as hell. And this girl's, like, on the front. She's like, woo! What are you drinking, Luke? And I'm like, why don't you find out? And I poured it all over her, thinking it would be funny. But she didn't. Like on her head? All, all, just all over. I emptied yeah. it out on her. Just, like, I was like, you know, it's a fan. Like, I I go up to fans sometimes. I kiss them, and then I slap them on the face and then walk off. And everyone's just, like, you know... It, it it was funny. I used to spray my audience like with champagne at the end, and so that didn't seem, un, you know, sort of like strange to me. I was like, if if someone if my if someone who I love did that to me, I I would have been like, that's so cool. You know, I'm at a rock show. It's sweaty. Everyone's covered in. You see in that sweat. all the time. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, this girl. F- did not appreciate it. She flipped out. She was like, I think she was a bit of a poser. I don't think she was a real fan. She'd made her way to the front. And was it a club gig? It was a club gig, yeah. So they were right on top of you. And she just kicked off. Like, she was like, you yeah, motherfucker. And then she was like- She come on stage? She was trying to get on the stage and then, and, then, <laughs> and then like the security came off. Her boyfriend, ironically, was laughing his ass off thinking it was the most hilarious thing he'd ever seen. She gets dragged off out through the audience. She's reaching into her handbag. She's like throwing- like tampons at me and, and like and then she threw which you know could have done a bit of damage could have taken my gnashes out was uh your what? My gnashes, my teeth. Oh okay. Right. She threw nail polish and I remember seeing it coming towards me. I literally dodged it as I was singing. She was like screaming. So anything she could get her hands on, anything, she's throwing at you. Anything. She was just grabbing shit. And then she goes up to the um the merch table on the way out, you know. And she were you w- guys out there doing a i wasn't no we were still on stage oh, oh we were like midway through our set so she goes up to our merch table and she just like, she grabs all of the stuff, like tries to flip the table, like on the way out. And, like all of our t-shirts, are, like all over the floor Whoa. and everything. So, yeah. Wow. Note to self:
1: You thought you thought you were gonna be like, oh, Luke, spill it, throw your drink all over me. <laughs> I want every drop. That's uh, what drinking your dodging nail
2: polish. That's what drinking does. It, it, it sort of definitely sort of blurs your sort of like vision between you know probably your judgment. You know for sure.
1: One more question before we talk to Brett, which is coming up. Biggest crowd you've played to so far. The biggest crowd you have played to with the Struts. Where was it? Uh, what, like opened act? For Whatever. Someone? Yeah, the, like when you you walked out on stage and the most amount of people you ever saw was out there. I think it was
2: uh, 70, eighty thousand. Eighty thousand. Eighty thousand. Was that in, with
1: Foo Fighters? That was with the Rolling Stones. Oh, I forgot you opened for the Stones. Yeah, and then where in, was
2: that? In Star de France in Paris, Paris, and then. Actually, slightly more recent to that would have been um, in Quebec, uh, in Canada, opening up for the Who. That was like seventy-five, Jesus. eighty thousand.
1: Look at the list of bands you've opened for: the Who, oh, just the Stones, people, you know? the Foo Fighters, Motley. That is insane. Did now, real quick? Did you meet the Stones? Yeah, yeah. yeah you me, met we, Mick and Keith. We
2: we we we've opened up some three times, so we we had a couple of. Uh, sort of like small but you know lovely conversations that I'll I'll definitely cherish forever which was great we were sort of like set to meet them and bless him like um, Charlie Watt was the first guy to come in he was like three minutes early than everyone else because they you know they wanted to say a quick hello and, yeah. and whatnot and um, so we ended up sort of like chewing Charlie Watt's ears off just about everything and bless him he was he was lovely then Ronnie came in and and whatnot and yeah it, it's 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 yeah what, what, what when making mick, mick and keith did come in oh yeah man mix i like your jacket you know and then we sort of god how do you even do like how what do you even say like i didn't really say a lot man like i, I remember the first time we did it he walked up to me and then we had like a I was watching them sound check, which I knew that you, you shouldn't really be doing, but I was like, Yeah, fuck it, whatever. I'm like, this is never gonna happen again.
1: <laughs> but it did. And it
2: did, <laughs> yeah. Um and he came he came off stage after they were sound checking and then he walked he clocked me and you know, I think he recognized me, so he walked straight up and he was like, you know, hi, I'm I'm Mick <laughs> Hi I'm
1: Mick I'm like, Hi <laughs> I had no idea you were Mick Jagger. <laughs> hi. I'm like,
2: Yeah, what's up? And then um I was like, yeah, man. So, like, yeah, thanks for having, thanks for having us and, and everything. And he's like, oh, no, it's fine, you know. And, um, I was like, so, you know, how's it all been going? And he was like, he was like, I- you, i was like, the sound, the sound's going to be great tonight, you know. And, and the show that we were playing previously, like, oh, the sound wasn't very good. And, you know, it's like in these giant, huge stadiums, it's like, you know, it's hard to get like consistent sound every night. And I'm just sort of like looking at him, like nodding, like, <laughs> Yeah, man. Like, yeah, totally know what the fuck you're going on about right now. Yeah. I, you know, God, we've got a connection right there. You know what I mean? <laughs> what
1: the fuck? Luke Spiller has dates with the Struts. I did not realize this, man. I live in New Jersey. You're playing in Philly. You're like two hours away. Yeah, man. I may have to come see you. Come down. 28th and 29th. The 28th is sold out. The Fillmore uh-huh. in Philadelphia. Seems kind of random, like just dropping into Philly out of nowhere. What's going on? Hey, man! Uh, <laughs> New Year's Eve in Nashville, Tennessee. Jack Daniel's Music City. So there's your New Year's show. Yeah. So you yeah. got three three shows there towards just at the end. Yeah. Little Christmas money or post Christmas money.
2: Yeah. I'm, so I'm going back tomorrow, and then I fly back out on Boxing Day. To come to come here, which would be twenty seventh, yeah, twenty
1: like sixth. That means nothing. So. We that don't know it? what boxing oh Day means, God, but sorry. I just know when you're coming. Okay, <laughs> okay. And then you've got uh, other dates coming up: San Diego and Anaheim, and yes, Tempe in March. Yes, tour,
2: our tour to California, yeah, which which is going to be fantastic. And so, to be honest, I've I've been waiting for that kind of tour. You know, it's like five shows, all in beautiful weather, and you know. I don't like touring when it gets cold.
1: And these are all headline dates. No more dates with the stones. You're not, you're not hanging with Mick anytime again soon.
2: No, i I, I had to say to him, man, I was like, I can't, you know, I've, I gotta start, you know.
1: Mick, you know, you and your 80,000 people, you just had us open for the stones. We're kind of over it now, man. We gotta move on. Not over it, but I, I need to start getting my own 80,000 people, <laughs> exactly. you know? Exactly. That's the right attitude. All right. Here's a guy that's played to some people in his life, that's for sure. He's about to do it in stadiums with his band Poison, who are also joined by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts and Motley Crue and Def Leppard. It killed me a week ago that I couldn't be here for the press conference as I was on vacation, but they announced it officially a week ago. And now joining me, my old friend, Mr. Brett Michaels, one of the hardest working men in the business. Brett! Eddie, Eddie, my brother, how are you doing?
0: I hope you're I'm wonderful. Awesome. Say hello to Luke from the Struts. Absolutely, Luke, you guys rock. You're awesome, and uh, and continue unbelievable great songs and and music. It's incredible. Thank you so much, mate. It's very
2: kind of you to say,
0: and Brett, I mean that sincerely. Brett
1: rocks. Brett's Brett's post show bus parties a legend Luke one really? of these days if you're around you would be because you know Brett you, you I'm sure you weren't able to listen earlier but Luke was just talking about what an eclectic mix of music he loves and some of the things he was running down was basically your soundtrack in your bus
0: after a poison or Brett Michael show absolutely and that's what makes it great still being with them and, and us still being
1: uh, he was just about to give you a compliment. His phone dropped. I know, I was looking forward <laughs> right? to that. It was so in now. I was like, my god. I- Wait, oh. we we lost you. You back? Are you with me? Yeah, your yeah. phone's going in and out, bud. I am so
0: sorry. I am so sorry. We got you now. Go ahead. Oh, hold on, and now now I'm over at Modern Family and I got Eric Stone Street pulling up from Modern <laughs> 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 Television. Hold on. Eric sales- the Trunk. He's the best rock dude ever. Hey, Eddie. Sorry. Hey, Eric. How are you, man? <laughs> Stay spread down and yell, screaming at him over the, over the, on, the set, on the lot here in, in L.A. Do well, you guys
1: have a, you have a role for him in the show, or what's going on? He is,
0: it's an amazing, Hi. they are amazing. I'm down here on the lot with Modern Family, and just talking, and uh, and wanted to tell you again, uh, I want to thank you for all the good years. I know we're going to see each other and talk about the Humanitarian Award and talk a bit. I know the show's on the CW uh, on Friday, and we're down to the Arena at the Seminole. And then we're, uh, we're on the stadium tour. You and me got lots to talk about.
1: Uh, we got a lot to cover, man. We really do. And congratulations on that award, Brett. Very well deserved.
0: I can't thank you. and Eddie, you're a big part of it. I told you that. All we've done with the Life Rocks, we get to rock, we get to party, legendary parties, and we leave something awesome. Every single city I do with my Life Rocks, we leave a donation behind for some great people and great charitable causes.
1: Yeah, it's awesome, man. So you've been knocking around L.A.
0: since the press conference last Wednesday? No. No, I've been gone. We were out on the road. We were on tour, and then I just, I'm back here. And then tomorrow night I fly down to Florida, and we're there for the thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth for the uh, the arena concert, and then the boat show.
1: So the unbroken tour continues for the solo thing, and then of course of you know the big news going out with Motley and Leopard and Joan, and you know I I heard some of the press conference, Brett, even though I wasn't uh, you know able to be here for it. And the one thing that came off, man, which was really cool, is you you really genuinely are excited to be out with these bands as bands and excited to be on this tour. I mean, poison, you guys have been kind of like on an every other year thing. So and it really came through in, in your enthusiasm for this. I know you're pumped for it.
0: I am. And let me say this, not, not only that, but you know, I kept putting that karma out there to get it done. I just kept doing it over and over again. And it finally came through and everyone, no egos, everyone's ready to party and put on a good show and and like I said, we're going to make it amazing. It's going to be an incredible tour. Everyone's fired up. All nothing but hits all night long. And, you know, Joan Jett's incredible. And then, of course, with Motley and the Leopard guys, it's amazing.
1: You know, I was thinking two quick things because I know we're short on time. A couple things that strike me about this tour, the one thing that jumped out at me immediately was the fact that as far as the three, uh, well, all the acts, but for you... And Motley, all original members, which is unheard of with bands with history like you guys have. And Absolutely. Leopard is basically as original as they can be. So that's that's crazy when you think about it. Not only do you have three bands still really good and still
0: at the top of their game, but it's actually the bands. It, it's the real deal, and it is. Top of their game, and this is what I said. The amount of hits, the history, and like I was saying, you were talking with Luke and stuff about the Stones. I mean, that is that's legendary. them out playing stadiums, they're going to be playing their own stadiums here soon. These guys are great, and like I said, that's you. You and me are always pushing the live music rock and roll dream. We've been doing it forever, and let's have, we can say we've had some legendary parties together. Oh, yeah. Here's one last thing. Party.
1: We have we have ice at room temperature. Never forget that one. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I need ice cubes <laughs> at room temperature. But here's the last thing that I thought about. I'm only half joking here. It's well documented in music history that Poison has had their dust-ups on stage, and God knows there's been dysfunction. Motley, God knows, documented dysfunction. Is Joe Elliott going to be a referee at
0: some point on this tour, or what? I think Joe, Joe already volunteered. He said, look, there, all the dysfunction between these two, and, and the prize fights, the pyro, the good songs. <laughs> Joe, let me tell you something. I think Joe can throw down. He'll get right in the mix. I know what in the mix. He's going to be dodging chairs and bass guitars and
1: God knows what flying around halfway Flame through froze. that tour. Flamethrowers. Nikki's going to come out and burn <laughs> <Absolutely>. somebody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you just know, just do you, you know what's going to happen. I I'm still trying to recover from uh, my hangover from when I went overseas to play. You're the last face I saw before I went overseas at an Irish. Man, that club, would I believe.
1: Thank God I wasn't the last face you ever saw period, man. That would be a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I got to run, man. It's great to hear. We got to do way more. I know you're busy. We when my door's wide open, we got to do a whole show
0: whenever you're ready you have my number get pass it on to Luke and the struts tell them congrats if you can hear me congrats these here yeah. rocking. oh great okay good keep keep rocking pass my number along tell them to give me a call and I uh, will. and hopefully we'll see each other on the road i will see you soon and uh have again it's CW uh, I got the Humanitarian of the Year award there, and if they get a chance to check it out, I went true live music on TV, which is scary. So check it That's out awesome. on The CW.
1: That's awesome. Congrats right. on that, and much respect for you keeping it live like that. That's the way to do it. Thank you, buddy. Thank you.
0: Love you, my friend. Hey, both of you, you too, amazing man. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays.
1: Same uh, to you, Brett. Take care, man. Uh, cheers. Bye-bye. There he goes. A few minutes there with Brett Michaels. I know we got so much more to cover. Mm -hmm. We will. He's running around L.A. and working it like he's always doing it. The solo tour, the show on the CW, tickets on sale for the big stadium tour. I think the general on sale is Friday. This Friday, I believe. So, Brett's always got a lot going on. We got to do a, a, a rainbow show with him sometime soon as well. All right. We got to wrap this thing up, man. But this was a blast. Luke, I can't thank you enough, man. Come sit in with me anytime. This was too much fun. Cheers, man. Cheers. And uh, go to struts.com to find out about all the upcoming tour dates and everything the guys have going on. All the dates are there. The next one is in Philly. Sold out on the 28th, 29th tickets remain two nights at the Fillmore, and the rest of the shows are listed there as well, and they'll just keep coming and keep coming, and you'll see, you'll see them be added up there. And Can't wait for the next record, man. Well, that's going to do it for this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Thank you guys for listening so much. Wherever, whenever, however you do it. Of course, it's always free. New episodes every Thursday. one.com and Apple Podcasts. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode of whatever I'm bringing to you each and every Thursday and all these great interviews come to you courtesy of my daily show on Sirius XM Satellite Radio, Trunk Nation, hear it live every day, Monday through Friday, on Volume. That's channel 106. It airs live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. And there's a nightly replay, 10 to midnight Eastern. And you can also get shows on demand and listen to them whenever you want on the Sirius XM app. If you're in the New York, New Jersey area, you can see me, Don, and Jim. The That Metal Show reunion party is tomorrow night, the 20th of December, at Dingbats in Clifton. And then a bunch of stuff coming up as we head into the new year in January. I'll get it all up there for you on com, And, of course, let you know about it on Twitter as well as uh, we get ready to close out a year and get into a new year. Happy holidays, everybody. Whatever you're celebrating, have fun. And don't forget to join me each and every Thursday for a new episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, as always, produced by Katie Irizarry. I'll see you guys next Thursday. Enjoy the holiday season and the madness.